Well, there I was, five years old, running around in a little apartment building in Corbin, Kentucky. My mom came through and yelled at me and my little brother to get some things together that we were going on a trip. And I still remember her putting us in the car and I wasn't looking out the window because I was too small, but I remember I was kind of like looking up and through the window on the commute. And I remember watching the trees pass and I can remember feeling the sunlight hit me in the face. And it wasn't long before we pulled up to Mill Street Park right here in London. And I want you to know that I got so excited. I got excited because Mill Street Park had the best of everything. Had the best monkey bars, the best slides, it had tetherball, I didn't even know what that was, but I was gonna smack that thing so hard. And I was excited about it. And I remember my mom getting out of the car and walking around the car to my side. And she opened the door and she got me out. And she placed me on the sidewalk. She turned and she reached back in and she lifted the seat up and she reached in and she got my little brother and she placed my little brother beside me and she placed his hand inside of mine. And she turned once more and she reached in and she grabbed a large black garbage bag full of clothes. And she took that garbage bag and she plopped it down right beside us. And what my mom said to me next, I will never forget. She looked down at me and she said, your dad is in the house across the road. And I want you to tell him that I can't handle you all anymore. Now that might be what she said, but that's not what I heard. What I heard is I don't love you anymore and I don't want you anymore and what I'm doing is far more important than you. And I watched the woman that was supposed to love me more than anybody in the world the woman that was supposed to protect me, the woman that was supposed to keep me safe, walk off around her car, get back in it, and drive off. And I can still remember watching my mom's taillights disappear around the corner. You know, five years old is when you should be learning your alphabet. Five years old is when you ought to be learning how to tie your shoes. Five years old is when you ought to be waking up on Saturday morning with a sword in your underwear, running around waking everybody up, screaming, by the power of Grayskull. <laughs> Not dealing with abandonment. Years went by. I didn't receive a phone call from my mom. I didn't get a, a birthday card from my mom. I, I didn't get a pat on the back and add a boy. I didn't get tucked in at night, nothing. Needless to say, my world of He-Man and G.I. Joe began to fall apart pretty quickly. And I'll never forget one evening, I heard my dad on the telephone and it was obvious that he was talking to my mom. And somehow she talked him into allowing her to come pick us up. And I want to be honest, I was excited about it. I was excited because I, I, all through my mind, I started racing, thinking, I wonder what she looks like. I wonder what she sounds like. I wonder if she drives the same car. I wonder if she's got a new family. I wonder if she has a new boyfriend. But she came and she picked us up 
And she took us to her mom's house, to my granny's. And I'll never forget, I was standing in the middle of the kitchen teasing my little brother. And if you're an older sibling and, and you didn't do that well, you've probably failed at life. But, but uh, I was good at it. And I was teasing my little brother with a quarter and he would jump to get it and I'd jerk it away and he'd jump and I'd jerk it away. And I remember hearing my mom scream out, give him the quarter. But heck, I wasn't going to give him the quarter. I was winning. I was having a good time. So I continued in my game and all of a sudden I heard my mom walk up behind me. And when she did, I had the quarter in my hand and I turned to look at her. And when I turned to look at her, she took her hand and she smacked the quarter out of my hand. And if I could stop and think about it for just a minute, I can still hear that quarter as it hit the ground and bounced off the ground and hit the cabinet and rolled off. And I turned to look at her again and she took her hand and she caught me in the side of the head. And it knocked me off my feet onto my back. And when I hit my back, I immediately started crying. I'd never experienced anything like this before. I was scared to death. I was terrified. And all I remember is I got back up and I made my way into the hallway to where the bathroom and the bedrooms were. But this time she followed me. And when I turned around to her again, she took her hand and, and she hit me almost in the same spot, knocking me down again. But this time was different because this time the woman that was supposed to love me more than anybody in the world, remember the woman that's supposed to protect you and take care of you, got down on her hands and knees and straddled me. And she took her hand and she began to take and pinch and twist the skin on my neck all while screaming at me. And I was so scared and I didn't know what to do. I was just trying to get away from her and I finally got up and I got away and I ran back into the kitchen and I climbed up into a chair and I grabbed the receiver of the telephone. It was almost, it's a telephone like Pastor Trevor was talking about last week, only mine had a longer cord. It's called a rotary phone. And I know a lot of you younger people have no clue what I'm talking about, but you can Google it. It's a real thing. It really is. But I remember I took my little bony finger and I stuck it in the eight and I dialed it over. And then six and I dialed it over. And I remember about that time my mom came back around the corner and she saw me with the telephone and she screamed at me and she said, who are you calling? And I said, I'm calling my dad. She came over and she grabbed the phone and jerked it away and she said, you're not calling anybody. And I still remember she took the phone and she slammed it on the receiver. And if you remember those phones, they had bells in them. And I can still remember her hitting it, ding. And it's like it, it's like it was never going to stop. And I guess at that moment, she realized what she had done. And, and she gathered me and my little brother up and she put us in the car and she was taking us back home. And I remember I was crying so hard on the way home. And it wasn't like a little wind, it was like one of those, uh, 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 you know, trying to catch your breath. And I'm, I remember we pulled into the driveway and I didn't even ask if I could get out. I just jumped out of the car and I started running toward the porch. And all I know is my dad must have heard me because he met me at the front door. And I remember he opened the door and he looked down and he said, what's wrong? 
And I remember I was so upset and I had been crying so hard that I just leaned over and I just threw up all over the porch. And I remember my dad went out and he spoke with my mom. I don't remember, I don't know what was said, but I do know that immediately after that, he took me to the state police post here in London and they took pictures of me and they interviewed me and it was a very embarrassing thing to go through as a little boy. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning. I wanna talk about one of the biggest lies that we've ever been told. And it was a lie that has been told to us by people that we love. It could have been our mom, it could have been our dad, a grandma, a grandpa, somebody that we just trusted and loved. It could have been a pastor. And they told us this lie and when they told it to us, not only did they tell it, but we began to believe this lie. And more than likely, you began to tell the lie as well. And it was a lie that was meant to encourage us. It was a lie that was meant to make us feel better. And it was probably told to us at a time when things were horrible. Maybe we had a mom or a dad pass away or a, a, maybe a, it was a sibling or maybe it was a, a son or a daughter. Maybe we found out that, that our spouse was cheating on us. But this lie was told to us and it was a lie that was so far from the truth. And here's the lie. They looked at you and said, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. Don't worry, I know that your mom just passed away, but don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. I know you just found this out about your spirit, don't, but don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. Can I tell you as a five-year-old boy growing up and years later dealing with the abuse that my mom put me through, that was more than I could handle. So what do you do when you can't carry it? Whatever it is for you, what do you do when you can't carry it? What are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna do when you become overwhelmed because of the situations and the circumstances that have taken place in your life? Because there we are in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the trouble, and we believe this lie that God will put more on us than we can handle, but yet there we stand in the midst of more pain and more discomfort and more sickness than we care to bear. And I've thought about it. Like, where did people come up with that? And I believe that it was told with a pure heart. I don't believe that it was done with malice or anything like that. And all I can find is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. And here's what it says. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. And I thought about that word tempted and trial and tribulation and I think, you know what, those are two different words. See, in temptation, you've got a choice. See, I've got a choice today of whether or not I'm going to take this phone out and I'm going to type an address into it that I know I shouldn't type in and I'm going to look at things I know I shouldn't look at. I've got a choice of whether or not I'm going to take the next drink. I've got a choice of whether or not I'm going to take the next bite. I've got a choice of whether or not I'm going to spend the next dollar. But in the middle of a trial or a tribulation like I went through as a child, I didn't have a choice in that. I was dropped in the center of it and I didn't even know how to get out of it. So I've got good news and bad news for you today. The good news is, is that God will never allow you to be tempted 
beyond what you can bear. He'll always provide a way of escape for you. But the bad news today is, is that God may allow you to go through more than you can handle. And I know you're thinking, well, why in the world would God allow me to go through more than I can handle? All I know is, is that sometimes God may allow you to hit rock bottom only to allow you to realize that he is the rock at the bottom that's going to pull you up out of the mess and out of the tribulation and out of all the trials that you are going through. He is the rock. He's the friend that will stick closer than a brother. He is your rock. And I believe that if, if anyone in the world understood this lie, that God won't put more on you than you can bear, it was the Apostle Paul. You see, because I believe that Paul understood that life is real. And I dare say that there's not a person sitting in this room right now or a person that's watching at home that wouldn't say, you know what, sometimes life is just real. And sometimes life is not fair. And sometimes life does not always work out the way that we think it's going to work out. And I believe that Paul understood that. Because, you know, he had a meeting with Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, Now, Paul, if you follow me, you're going to have your best life now. You'll never have another trouble. Now, you know Jesus didn't say that. And Paul understood that. And he gives us a little idea as he goes into 2 Corinthians and he says this. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. He goes on to say, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews. Paul said, I can't even go to church without worrying about somebody stabbing me in the back. And then he goes on and says, I'm in danger from the Gentiles, those that are outside the church. I've got danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at the sea. I've even got danger from people that act like Christians and they're really not. And he ends like this. And I've labored and told. I've labored and I've told. You know what he said after he realized, he said, I have went out and I have told everybody that I can tell about this gospel, about this Jesus that was crucified on a cross and they buried him and he rose on the third day to give us a chance at new life. I've told everybody I know. I've gone without sleep doing it. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. And he said, I have also been cold and naked at times. <laughs> and yet we get aggravated when we go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and the ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> right? You're looking at your wife right now saying, you just did that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you did it yesterday. The same guy that just told us that God would not, not allow us to be tempted beyond what we could bear makes it very clear right here when it comes to pain and heartache that God will sometimes allow you to go through more than you can handle because Paul had been through hell. And there's many of you sitting in this room right now and if you were honest, you would say, you know what, I've been through hell too. As a matter of fact, I'm going through hell right now. And Paul said, even so, he said, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. I read that and I said, Paul, what are you talking about? Show your weakness. It is, listen, it is, I, when I think about it, I thought, all I think about it is people don't want to do that. 
People want to hide their weakness from everybody. They don't want people to see it. They want to keep it a secret. And you have to think he's talking to the church here. And I know that people walk in here on Sunday morning and they put their face on and they walk in in their Sunday best, all oh, their swagger. If I had swagger, I'd show it to you, but I don't have any. So, uh, but that's how they walk in. And if you were to ask them, well, how are you doing? They'd say, I'm doing okay. And life's falling apart. You know, I have never seen on Instagram somebody say, hey, this is me and my pornography addiction. Or, hey, here's me and my eating disorder. Or, here's me and my negative bank account. Hashtag, can I borrow a dollar? <laughs> hey, here's me and my mistress. Hashtag, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> because we want to hide our weaknesses from everybody. But one thing that I'm glad of is that I have found a place called the Creek Church that I know today that I can walk through the back doors jacked up and messed up with a bunch of problems and I have them today and people are going to celebrate the fact that I made it to church with them. They're going to. As a matter of fact, maybe this is your first time in this room or maybe it's the first time that you've ever watched online and I want you to know something today. I want you to know that we don't care what you did last month. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It does not matter what you did last night because we still believe in the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we still believe that he changes lives. Amen? And I am glad today that I did not have to be perfect when I walked into this room. As a matter of fact, let me ask you a question. How many of you all have children in here today? Just raise your hand. It's okay. My geez, look at Pastor Trevor. People in here have been busy. Yeah, they took the, the verse, be fruitful, multiply, seriously in here. Let me ask you another question. How many of y'all remember when your kid first walked? Y'all remember that? Well, of course you do. You took pictures and you wanted everybody to know about it. And so, uh, but can I tell you a secret? Your kid didn't really walk. It was a controlled fall. <laughs> it's like they took a couple steps and you were like, and fell down. You were like, they walked! And you wanted everybody to know about it. But none of us, as parents, when our child fell, would have ran up to them and said, listen here, we're the Allen family. And if you don't walk, if you fall one more time, you're out of the house. We would have never done that because that would have been a cruel parent. And yet, Christians have been doing that for years. And that's why I'm so glad that I found a place that has created such an environment that people can walk in here in their weaknesses and we would say, hey, so you fell down, don't worry about it. Get back up. Next time you're going to take two steps. Get back up. Next time you're going to take three steps. Next time you're going to take four. And we're going to celebrate your progress instead of your problems. Amen? That's the way it ought to be. And I know some of you are thinking, well, Sean, that's a really good illustration for kids, but what about adults? Listen, if you're an adult in this place and you've never fell down, welcome to earth because you are an alien and we don't even know what planet you're from, <laughs> right? But Paul said, it's, I'm going to celebrate my weaknesses. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. And Paul tells us why. He goes on, he says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And I thought about that and I thought, why would Paul say such a thing? The very Paul that would walk into cities and turn them upside down. The same Paul that they would take 
corners of his clothes and take them to people and they would touch them and they would be healed of their sickness. The same Paul that could put his hands on people and raise them from the dead. And all of a sudden I thought, well, you know what? It could be that Paul struggled with being conceited a little bit. And all of a sudden he says, you know what? It's almost as, as if Satan himself sent this messenger, a thorn in my flesh. And we can speculate what the thorn is. Some people think that it could have been his failing eyesight. Other people say, you know, migraines or malaria. It could have been epilepsy. It could have been all these things. As a matter of fact, it could have been anything. It could be the very thing that you are begging God to take away from you right now. It could be health problems. You've had a health problem since the very beginning of your life and it has just riddled you sometimes with so much pain that you just feel like you can't go on. Or maybe you're sitting in this room right now and you have dealt with addiction and I want you to know today that there is hope for you because by the time I was 24 years of age, I had a criminal background record that was six pages long and I made most of it right here in London. I understand today what it is to be a 16-year-old boy who cannot function without some kind of something running through his veins. I understand today what it is to wake up in the bathroom floor in my own vomit. So don't look at me today if you're struggling with addiction thinking that just because I'm up here that I don't understand. Because I do. And I want you to know today if that's you, God loves you and there is hope for you and there's people here that care about you and you're in the right place. Amen. Amen. Not only that, but maybe it's depression that you're struggling with today. And, you, and yeah, you walked in with a nice face and you're happy, but I've noticed that most times it seems like the people that are the happiest are the ones that struggle with the depression the most. And if that's you, listen, and you need somebody to talk to, there's people in this room that love you. If you're watching online, there's people that love you. And if you can't find anybody else to talk to, call me. Come see me. Because you matter and you are, you are important. Or maybe it's unforgiveness and you just had this situation, this circumstance take place with these people and you say, you know what, that, that was horrible and, and, and I'm over it and I'm moving on and I forgive them. And yet you see them at Walmart and you're mad all over again. And you can't pray because every time you go to pray, all you think about was them. See, all of us may have this thorn in our flesh that we're dealing with. And Paul understood it because Paul said three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And I don't believe this was like three little bedtime prayers, now I lay me down to sleep, Lord, would you take this thorn out of my head? Now, I don't believe that's what it was. I believe it was three seasons of prayer and he was fasting and praying and begging God to take whatever this is away from him. And I don't know about you, but just me and my humanness today, I think if anybody deserved to be healed, Healed, it was the apostle Paul. I mean, Paul had been shipwrecked, he had been beaten, he had been pelted with stones, he had been bitten by a snake, he had been put in, put in prison, uh, but there was this one thing that overwhelmed Paul. He was like, God, listen, I withstood all that, I'd done the best that I could do with all that stuff, while you put me in prison, I withstood it, but there's this one thing that's overwhelming me. What is it that's overwhelming you today? You know, when I thought about that, Paul, Paul prayed three times for this. But he didn't have to pray three times for the young man that fell out of the window because he preached too long. 
He walked down to the down to the bottom, put his hand on him, and the boy came back to life. So why is it that we are so wise with other people's problems, yet such a fool when it comes to our own? Why is it that we've got all the best advice for all of our friends and all of our coworkers, and yet we go home and want to jump out of a window? How did Paul, with all the power and all the courage, go in and turn cities upside down, yet could not fix his own problem? How does that happen? And I'm sure that a lot of you have been like me at times. I get in the midst of that and I start praying and I start begging God and saying, God, if you just take it away, God, if you just take it away, I'd be a better dad. I'd be a better mom. I'd be a better husband. I'd be a better wife. I'd be a better servant. God, just take it away. But what do you do when God says no? What do you do when you're praying for a good thing, but God says no? I mean, Paul wasn't praying for gold to rush out of a a fountain. He wasn't praying to hit the lottery. Paul was praying for a good thing, and you are probably praying for a good thing. And it reminds me of a courtroom scene, almost as you're asking God, God, will you give me this? And God says, overruled. But you say, objection, your honor. And God says, overruled. See, you've got the right to object, but God's got the right to overrule. You've got the right to cry, but God's got the right to overrule. You've got the right to be, uh, to be mad, but God's still got the right to overrule. Great man of faith, you've been overruled. Praying mom, you've been overruled. You've got somebody sitting in a hospital bed, your family, somebody that you love, and you are praying over top of them. You are begging God for their life, and you have anointed them with oil. You have quoted scripture over them. You have fasted. You've done everything that you know to do, and you've done it all right. As a matter of fact, the doctors begin to walk into the room, and you look at the doctors and say, don't worry, God's going to heal them. And you watch them die right before your eyes. God, would you make my mom love me? Overruled. Paul prayed, he begged, he cried, and yet nothing. And I'm sure there's a lot of us sitting in this room that can relate with Paul. There's something going on and we have prayed and we have begged and we have cried and it is almost like God has went totally silent on us. But I want to encourage you today, don't mistake an unanswered prayer with an unconcerned heavenly father. Let me say that again. Don't mistake an unanswered prayer with an unconcerned heavenly father because when he found himself at a point that he could not handle, just like you may be at today, and he said, you know what? I don't feel like I can go any further. I can't take another step. It couldn't get any worse than it is right now. And all of a sudden, Paul hears this. He says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. 
and my power is made perfect in your weakness. He says, Paul, if you'll stop, quit trying to do it in your own power, my power will be made strong and evident in your life. Sean, if you'll quit trying to do it yourself, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And if you'll put your situation in that, God is saying the same thing to you. And he goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And he goes on to say, that is why. He said, for Christ's sake, I will delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, I think Paul figured out something that has taken me a long time to figure out. Paul said, even though I feel as if this thorn came from Satan himself, he said, I am going to take it from the hand of my enemy and I am going to receive it as though it came from the hand of God. He said, because I don't trust the enemy, but I trust my heavenly father. And it either came from his hand or through his hand. You know, looking back over my life today, when I think about all the things that I went through, the road that I traveled, I have to stop and realize that at my weakest points, God was at his strongest. When I thought God was nowhere to be found, God was right there working things out. And I just didn't realize it. And I've realized that when life was too much for me to handle, it was too much for me to comprehend. I couldn't take another step. I was so discouraged. I was so distraught. I was so depressed. This is what I've learned. I've learned that what God won't correct, He will carry. What God will not correct in my life, He is willing to carry. And God may give you today more than you can handle, but that's okay. Because what you can't carry, He can. And while carrying it, whatever it is for you, whether it be rejection, depression, addiction, Maybe you just feel unloved. Whatever that is, while he's carrying it, he's also carrying us. And I want you to understand today that when we collapse under the weight of grief and depression and anxiety and addiction, that is the natural expected human response. But when we are weak, he is strong. And here I am today. 30, it's crazy. 30 plus years later. A son that was abused and abandoned. Battled addiction up until my mid-20s. And I've been in full-time ministry for the last 13 years of my life. Amen. 
And God doesn't love me any more than He loves you. The same grace that is available for me is available for you today. I've been married to, for 17 years to my very best friend, and I promise you she is the most beautiful woman in the building today. That's right, boys. You heard it. You heard it here. I got two boys, Dalton, who is 16, and Jackson, who is nine. And I am standing at what I believe to be one of the greatest churches in Kentucky, serving under one of the greatest pastors in our state today. Amen. But I want you to understand that I'm not here today standing on this platform because I'm strong. I'm here because I was carried. Through all the weaknesses, through all the unwanted, through all the undesired, it has drawn me closer to my Heavenly Father. And yes, listen, it was more than I could handle at times, but it was never more than God could handle. And I promise it has not all been good. But it is all well. And it may not be all good with you today either. But it can be well with you. If you're willing to give that to God today, in your weakness, He will become strong. If you'll trust God with whatever it is, if you'll quit trying to do it in your own power, God said, I'll do it for you. Because in your weakness, my strength is perfect. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you so much today. and I'm so thankful to be here at this place and serving with these people. And today I know, Lord, that so many times it seems like just life is chaotic and Lord there's so many things going sideways that we don't understand but Lord when we're faced with things and we look around and say this is more than I can handle Lord I pray that for each person sitting in here each person watching at home inside of that you would carry whatever it is for them and that they would find hope and peace and comfort in you. And it might not be good, but Lord, it will be well with you. Amen.